First, she sets the mood perfectly with this new age music played over ocean sounds. Then she lays you out on this table and she proceeds to rub oil over your entire body. <laughs> and she rubs long and deep. Jerry, she rubs with love. But I don't want to be a secondary character. <laughs> Hello! Hello! Welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. This is a podcast about the greatest sitcom of all time, but it's a bit different to your typical Seinfeld podcast. We actually talk about the secondary characters in episode by episode in random order. My name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And we have gone to season five, and oh boy, Stephen, my neck is kind of hurting. I do need a massage. Yeah, I can hear the cricks. Yes. Season five, episode nine, the masseuse is who we're talking about today, or what episode we're talking about. Uh, I've got notes today on Jody, uh, she's Jerry's girlfriend, uh, Karen, who returns from the mango, uh, Joel Rifkin, not the serial killer, and uh, the ticket vendor. Who do you have notes on today? Uh, I have notes on those four characters as well. No one awesome. additional. <laughs> Wicked. All right. And you can follow us on social media at Bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, thank you so much to those who have you know, left us messages and contacted us and everything. We do always appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you can send us an email if you want to say hello or you want to give us a massage, like a virtual one online. I don't know how that's possible, but you know, if you want to do that for us. If you want to send us a voucher for a massage parlor, that's oh, fine. Yeah. In Melbourne, ideally, yeah. Bidwabarspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> I think that's probably more feasible. Yeah. And more ethical, yeah. Probably. <laughs> you can support us financially uh, on PayPal as well as Patreon um, at patreon.com forward slash Bidwabask. Uh, Stephen, we've uh, released something very exciting on Patreon very recently. Yeah, we hinted at it last week. We have decided to, uh, as an ongoing Patreon um bit of content to do a weekly review of uh, Kerber Enthusiasm episodes. That, so mm-hmm, yeah. so we've released our first episode uh, on our normal feed, just as a bit of a teaser. Mm. And if you want every other episode after that, you can sign up to Patreon. We'll be doing them weekly and we're doing them in chronological order, unlike Bidwabask, which we do at random. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it'll be something different. It'll be like an episode by episode review. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit more of a traditional, uh, I guess, podcast format where we just sort of talk about it scene by scene, talk about a bit of trivia. Yeah, just your classic um, chronological. <laughs> logical exploration of a TV series, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, cool. and it's pretty cool as well because I've never seen... I've, I I don't think I've seen even a full episode of Kirby Enthusiasm. I've seen a few YouTube clips and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I've seen bits and pieces of the reunion episode, which we'll get to way down the track. Yeah. Um, so watching the first episode was a real kick and I'm, I'm kicking myself that I haven't started it sooner, but you know. Yeah. Well, it's very exciting and I'm glad we're doing it. And, and the podcast is called Curbcast. Curbcast. So yeah, for $2 a month, you get uh, early access to Bidwell Basket episodes um, as well as uh, access to Curbcast Indeed. episode two onwards. So uh, patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. Now, Stephen, anything Seinfeld related happened in your life? Uh, no, so every week we talk about some Seinfeldisms where anything Seinfeld related that happens in our real life, uh, we kind of mention. Uh, the only thing that happened to me this week, and it's not really a Seinfeldism, um, but you know, for the sake of having one, I'll, I'll count it as one. Better this one than none. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so through the week, my cousin who lives in Brisbane, uh, he knows I'm a massive Seinfeld fan. He is as well. Cool. Uh, he texted me on WhatsApp asking, just out of the blue, we don't talk that often, but he said... Hey mate, how? Um, what is Dolores's last name? Mulva. Mm. And I thought about it for a little while, and I thought I don't think she has a last name because uh, you know I, I feel because the episode is about her name. I felt like if 
uh, if she had a last name, it would be included, you know, yeah. like you would know about it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's sort of like the crux of the whole episode, right? <laughs> and I yeah. texted back saying, oh, he doesn't, she doesn't actually have a last name. And uh, sh- he responded with a video from one of his mates who obviously uh, it was just quizzing me on the spot. Like, I didn't really know what was going on or why he texted it. Uh, and the video was his friend basically saying, uh, you don't know as much about Seinfeld as I do. I oh. think his friend's American as well, so... Okay. And he kind of maybe had a New York accent. Yeah. So he was so laying he down a bit, yeah, well, down a bit of a challenge. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, uh, he she does have a last name because in the episode where um, Jerry gets, uh, I think, someone to sign a poster. I mm, yep. can't remember what happens in the episode specifically. Uh, and the guy signing the poster says, you know, who do I make this out to? And he goes... Uh, my uncle, someone Puglia. Yeah, Puglia. That's right. Dolores yeah, so, Puglia. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he's only basing that that claim uh, on the assumption that uh, yeah. he is her uncle, like um, by blood, yeah. right? Uh, Joseph Puglia. Joseph that Puglia. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I said, well, you can't really make a solid claim based on something that could potentially be true. It's not a definite thing. Yeah, and yeah. I responded with that. I'm saying, look, it could be true, but it's not definitive. So <laughs> don't make a claim on flimsy evidence, right? Yeah, and what did he have to say? Uh, he he conceded that, and we agreed that we both probably know as much about Seinfeld as each other. Well, how's, so, how's his podcast doing, all right? Yeah, exactly. Is that a good <laughs> podcast? Yeah, good Seinfeld one, yeah. Oh, Lots of downloads. aggressive there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all a bit of fun. <laughs> Turns out he's Matt or Vinny from Seinfeld. Yeah. Like, oh wait, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, I think, I think they're from New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably them. <laughs> yeah, but it was a bit of fun, and yeah. and you know because I don't interact with my cousin a whole lot. Um, you know, if we are going to interact, it's nice to do them on you know in the context of Seinfeld. So yeah, yeah and it was Matt fun. And, yeah, that's fun. And Matt and Vinny, if it was you, uh, let us know, and uh, we concede no matter what, because you <laughs> yeah. are the Ted Danson of Seinfeld podcasts. Yeah, you're so, the masters. You're the masters. Yeah. You have 800,000 listeners, I think we mentioned, or more. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Do you yes. have any Seinfeldisms? Uh, no, but you have one piece of Seinfeld news this week, mate. Been I, pretty slim lately with the news. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, bit of an off-season for Seinfeld. So, yeah, so during the week, uh, Jerry appeared on uh, Amy Schumer's podcast. It's called Three Girls, One Keith. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Amy Schumer's comedy, but uh, her interview style is pretty pretty cool. Okay. Uh, and they, they talked about a whole bunch of stuff. So, um, they talked about Eddie Murphy and his legacy and whether he'll return to comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about jealousy as well um, and the most nervous he's ever been, as well as sort of his comedy career in Seinfeld. You know, they touched the normal uh, topics. But the reason why I brought this up, in I, I don't really know why this made news, but maybe it was just a slow news day like it is for us. Probably. Um, Amy well, Schumer asked about um, how Jerry felt when he was sending his daughter off to college. So she went to college, I think, earlier in the year. And uh, he described himself as being a total puddle, referring to the fact that he was probably crying. Ah. Um, and then he went on to say that uh, it's kind of like you found a little baby alligator and you put it in your tube and you would think, oh, look at his little bitey teeth. They're so cute. And then some time goes by and you go, you know what? I think we're going to get this thing the hell out of here. So I think he's comparing his kid to an alligator in that initially it's very cute. Yeah. But after 18 or 19 years, it's like, okay, go away. Like, <laughs> you know, you're an adult now. Go out and spread your wings. Yeah, that's it. Um, So it was like a weird deviation in the interview and a weird response. Maybe that's why it made news because he compared his daughter to a baby alligator. Yeah. It was yeah. it was kind of r- weird and random. So it was kind of taken out of context, his comments. Were yeah. Like when yeah. I just read the quote like that, it sounds strange. But if you yeah. listen to the podcast, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. But the fact that it even made, like, that in the podcast interview was enough to actually uh, make media organizations create articles out of it. Yeah. A bit strange. Maybe I'm guessing a, they probably used Seinfeld it for news. clickbait. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, the headlines were, Seinfeld creates, uh, Seinfeld compares daughter to baby alligator, yeah. which you think, huh, that's a bit strange. But, yeah, he was just using a very simple 
and weird metaphor in an interview. Yeah. yeah very strange. But it anyway. Was, it was clickbait, for sure. It, totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. So, <laughs> probably the slimmest for a little while. Yeah, very indeed. Um, so, Season 5, Episode 9, Stephen, like I did mention, the masseuse. So, I'll read a little plot synopsis for the episode for those who may not have watched it for a while. An episode which uh, doesn't really get talked about much, the masseuse. No, yeah. it doesn't. And it was interesting, Steve, because I looked at the Wikipedia page for the masseuse, and usually there's like production notes and big plot synopses and everything. But for the masseuse, it's just like a few paragraphs. And that's it. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a forgotten episode. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's bad, but we'll talk a bit more about what we think of the episode uh, at the end, as we usually do. For sure. So, The Masseuse first aired in the US on November 18, 1993, directed by Tom Sharones, written by Peter Melman. And in this episode, Stephen, uh, Jerry is desperate for his new girlfriend, a professional masseuse, Jody, played by Jennifer Coolidge, to give him a massage. But every hint or suggestion seems to fall on deaf ears. They go on a double date with George and his new girlfriend, Karen, played by Lisa Edelstein. And I mentioned at the start that she was in the Mango episode, which we have done an episode on before. And it's it's obvious that Jerry's girlfriend doesn't like him, which drives George to extremes. Elena's dating a man named Joel Rifkin, played by Anthony Sestaro, uh, not the serial killer, but he seems oblivious to his name and how people react to it. Her attempts to get him to change his name aren't entirely successful. Dion. Dion Rifkin. Dion. Dion. That actually sounds like a good name. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like Dion. Yeah. Uh, actually, my cousin's Dion. Okay. I have a cousin named Dion. So, yeah, yeah that's, it's not a common name, but it's a cool name. Yeah, it is. Um, other secondary characters in the episode, John Bishop, he plays the ticket man, who we'll talk about soon. Um, Hiram Kastin plays Michael, and Lisa Pescia plays Lisa. They're Elaine's office colleagues at the start of the episode. A bit of trivia about the episode, Stephen. There's actually quite a bit here. Um, you're probably wondering, OJ Rifkin... So in the scene where Elaine is reading the uh, Sports Illustrated and has the names of the football players, you're probably wondering, why the hell is O.J. Simpson referenced? Uh, This episode actually aired nine months before he was arrested and charged with double homicide. Yeah, I Mm. think uh, if if it was filmed after the O.J. Simpson case, they would have changed it to something else. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, it was really (laughs) sus. I was like, what the hell? And then I went back and looked at the trivia and I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Do you think any uh, initials with the second letter being J makes it sound cool like aj bj cj dj yeah like i don't know anything with j yeah makes it sound cool like fj gj jj I yeah don't know. there's there's not an uncool uh initial name with the second letter being j that doesn't sound good yeah and it sounds awesome jj abrams yeah oj simpson yeah oh no not quite <laughs> not quite him <laughs> i mean the name sounds nice but the man's terrible but yeah you know anyway <laughs> He needs Jackie Charles, I mean Johnny Cochran, to defend him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In this episode, Stephen, did you notice that Newman is mentioned, but he doesn't appear? Yeah, Yeah. I did. It's the scene where Jerry Kramer says, where am I going to get my massages from? And Jerry goes, get Newman. Talk to Newman, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, The scene where Joel is called uh, on the intercom at the stadium, um, uh, in the background there is an appearance from, a at the time, a New York Giants uh, linebacker by the name of Lawrence Taylor. Okay. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. I like that little, you know, like a real life New York Giants uh, (laughs) player is actually making a cameo at a New York Giants game. Yeah. I like that. That's that's neat. Really neat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the only trivia that I have, or the the last one, is uh, Joel Rifkin, he was actually a real American serial killer. Uh, He was sentenced to 203 years in prison for the murders of nine men between, uh, nine women rather, between 1989 and 1993. Oh, wow. It's believed he's killed up to 17 victims in New York and on Long Island. Huh. Yeah, and he was so actually the, um, he was actually on trial when this episode aired. 
Oh, right. So, yeah, he was found guilty about six months later. Huh. Yeah. So, Joel Ripken, the serial killer referred to in this episode, is obviously based on him. Yeah, that's right. Because he goes around strangling people. Yeah. And I think Kramer says that he strangled 18 people or 17 yeah, people. Yeah, he strangles people. So, yeah. he was suspected of strangling 17 or 18 people. So, yeah, that's right. yeah too many coincidences <laughs> to <laughs> not be a real reference. Indeed. Um, let's take a quick break, Steve, and uh, we'll come back and talk about some secondary characters from The Misuse. How's that sound? Sounds good. We'll be back. Are you looking for a brand new conversation podcast with some interesting guests? Well, you found it. My name is Ivan Pigioni, and I'm one of the voices from acclaimed Seinfeld podcast, but I don't want to be a secondary character. I'm back for season three of In Melbourne Last Week, a podcast where I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things from Melbourne and everywhere else. This season's themes include adversity and survival, as well as some more lighthearted topics to break it up. You can listen to In Melbourne Last Week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Okay, uh, let's talk about uh, Jerry's episode girlfriend, Jodie the Masseuse. Yes, she's played by Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, she's most famous for playing Stifler's mom in the American Pie series. Uh, she's also, also appeared in the films Legally Blonde and A Cinderella Story, uh, and she's been part of the main cast in sitcom Two Broke Girls. I never watched the show, but apparently she was in the main cast. Yeah, I think she's one of... I've seen a few episodes. I watched a few episodes on a plane once. Oh, all right. And I think she either plays one of the, like, Kat Dennings, and I can't remember the other woman's name who played plays the main character, the other main character. Yeah. I think she plays Kat Denning's mum. Oh, okay. Or like an auntie or something. She's a regular. She's really good. So she's also like someone else's mum. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's she she forever typecast herself. Yeah. Uh after being Stifler's mum. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure people in real life they're like, oh hey, there's Stifler's mum. Yeah. They don't know her real name. They're like Jen, Jen. No, it's just Stifler's mum. Stifler's mum. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, with Jody, um, so I think the reason why she doesn't want to massage Jerry, uh, she doesn't want to mix business with pleasure. Yeah. I think it's as simple as that. I, I believe that she doesn't want to associate her work with sex. And I think she's just a professional. She just does the job, even though Kramer's is very happy with her work and very satisfied. He, uh, she just doesn't want to massage who she's sleeping with. Yeah, no, it's, uh, Elaine makes that point in that, you know, she massages people all day long. The last thing she'd want to do is come home and massage the person that she wants to spend her downtime with. Yeah. And, you know, even though Jerry is jealous of Kramer, Kramer's paying for it. I can understand why Jerry would be a bit uh, weird about it. Like, you like, don't I'm, talk to about her like yeah, that. <laughs> but, but Kramer is a paying client and yeah. he's got, he's got, uh, you know, he's got back issues, so he has a medical requirement for a massage. Jerry just wants the pleasure of a massage, and yeah. he just wants to take advantage of her skills. And he's hoping that will lead on to other things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like, uh, you know, she just wants sex. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Is the sex bad? No, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> she just wants sex. Yeah. Um, I feel like she cares for her clients as well. I mean, she, even Kramer's so happy with her. Um, she he does or she does everything she can to make him feel good. Yeah, I yeah. think she's a really, really good masseuse. I mean, Kramer raves about her and uh, says that she's the best masseuse he's ever had. Uh, yeah, and I think she just has a really high standard. She seems really smart, really mm. dedicated. Uh, so I think she's just, yeah, a superstar masseuse. Yeah, and Jodie can really read people as well. Mm. Um, she hates George or just doesn't like George, but I think she can see through personalities. Yeah. I think she can see that George is like being fake in front of her, uh, you know, at the dinner, yeah. as well as Karen. I, I, I feel like she can probably sense it. She's got a good sense. Because when you deal with so many people, you know, I could imagine when you're getting massages done, you know, you're a masseuse, you meet so many clients, and a lot of them probably talk shit, or a lot of them are, like, dishonest, or they're lying, or hmm. whatever. And you can kind of, when you mix with so many people, you can probably see through their personalities. So I think she's really good with people. Yeah. She can really understand personalities. See, I, I was thinking that, 
because uh, I mean, you know, even a professional massage is quite an intimate thing. You've still got to get mostly naked, if not fully naked, in yeah. front of someone you don't know. And, you know, a stranger is touching most of your body, which is normally reserved for people that you, you know, are intimate with on a romantic or sexual level, right? Of course. So I think, I think, yeah, dealing with all sorts of people, but also dealing with people in a pretty vulnerable state mm. uh, has allowed her to see beyond just the superficial front that we all put up day to day, you know, when we're just interacting with whoever we interact with, uh, you know, on any given day. So, yeah, I think, I think she's extra perceptive because of the vulnerable state that her clients are in when she's massaging them. Yeah. You know, because it's not normal or it's not usual that you would get naked in front of someone and then pay them, even though it's non-sexual and it's professional, it's still a, it's still a state in which you would be, you know, your guard is being let down literally. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that makes her extra perceptive. And I mean, you don't need to have a high level of perception to see through George's phony baloney bullshit. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) Well, Karen clearly doesn't. Yeah. Karen can't really see. Well, I think, I think when you're attracted to someone romantically, you do have the blinders on. Yeah. But, you know, she quickly, they quickly drop when, uh, when George is <laughs> obsessed you know, with so, Jody. Yeah. She hates me so much. I love, I love how Jason delivers the line. It's yep. irresistible. Yeah. <laughs> I love that delivery is perfect. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So I, I understand why she thinks George is a phony and thinks, mm. uh, you know, doesn't think highly of him at all. Yeah. I understand. I like how Jerry's just so indifferent. He's just like, yeah, he's, he's disgusting. Like, yeah. just, he's just agreeing with her to get a massage. He, he's a bad seed. Yeah. He's like, yeah, oh, he's terrible. Oh, he's terrible. Yeah, he does everything he can to get Like, the he massage. doesn't stick up for his best friend, right? No. Like, basically his brother. Yeah. Like, someone who's been through everything with him. Oh, he doesn't. And it's just selling him out just, yeah. just to get a massage. Throwing him under the bus to get a neck massage. Totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Did you have anything else on her? Uh, no, not really. Um, oh, actually, sorry. I did. Um, I I really like how she stood up to herself about, I mean, it's, you know, it's sort of of its time, I guess, but the, you know, George is a bit sexist about, you know, only attract, attractive women don't get parking tickets. It's a bit of a dumb stereotype. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, and, 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 um, and Jodie's like, hang on a minute. Like, that's not true. I mean, I think her using her sister as an example to counter argue is not the strongest argument, yeah. but just her pushing back on that stereotype is you know i admire that she's yeah. just like hang on a minute like that's that's sexist and it's it's dumb hmm. you know whereas karen was laughing at the joke but uh, jody wasn't didn't want a bar of it no basically no and i think even if she liked george for the most part but he still said that i i don't think i don't think her pushback is because she doesn't like george i think she just took issue with that regardless of how she feels about george anyway yeah you know i think she she probably she probably deals with like a lot of creeps oh definitely uh, yeah i mean my sister used to be a beauty therapist a long time ago and right. the woman that she worked for was a massage therapist and the amount of times that guys would come in and just be total creeps because i think they think that oh, because i'm naked and a woman is touching my body it's automatically sexual yeah but you know they're professionals they don't it's it's as far from sex as you know, as anything else for them, it's just yeah. their job. And and then it's funny because yeah, they expect a rub and tug. Yeah, you know, I think rub and tug well, for all yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I remember a story of a guy who wasn't creepy at all, but because you know it is quite intimate and it is can be quite a ra- it feels nice. Mm, yeah, and he uh, accidentally got an erection, and I think he was so relaxed he didn't actually realize. So when I think the 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 my sister's former boss like highlighted it and was like what's going on like what are you doing he was so embarrassed and he like you know he, he scuttled out of there and he apologized yeah. and yeah. like he felt really bad oh of course i can understand accidents like that happening right yeah because it's you know it's 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 sometimes involuntary oh you know, it is as, yeah, as i'm sure all the, is. Yeah, 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 yeah as yeah, yeah. you know as we can all attest to right yeah so i can understand why she would take issue of george 
um, you know, being a bit sexist and being a bit stereotypical because I think she would come across a lot of creepy dudes and it's a bit of a sore point for her. Mm, yeah. So when a man does it outside of work, I think she's just a bit, hang on. I, I think she's just, a, you know, uh, an outspoken feminist. Okay, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say just, so. Yeah, good yeah, point, yeah. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, George even kind of makes a point and it's very patronising when he's trying to get the cab door open and she doesn't want to borrow of his help. Yeah, but yeah, it, she, she'd rather just do it on her own, get the yeah. chair or the table in and yeah. open the door for her. And because he's yeah. trying to rush, you know, the... the um the bags in the door and stuff and he's trying to like you know like convince her that he's a good guy yeah and he's speaking really fastly you can't really uh hear it i can i only noticed it because i've got the subtitles on in the version of seinfeld that i watch yeah and he actually says uh feminists aside i know ladies like the door opening thing mm, and i yeah, think yeah, i think, yeah, I think he's that, just yeah. yeah i think he's just digging the hole even more it's oh, just sure like is. you know but the, that's where the humor is yeah i, I understand yeah. that it's a joke in the episode but yeah. That's. I think that just reinforces her dislike for George. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, but that's all I had about her. Yeah, me too. And you're a good character. Actually, I liked all the secondaries in this episode. Yeah, no, they're, they're all good. really good, really memorable. Yeah. Anyway, Karen, she makes her second appearance on Seinfeld. Uh, she was in The Mango, which was in the same season. It was the season five premiere. So uh, if you want to go back to our Mango episode, uh, yeah, we talk about her in that one as back, well. Back when we had seasons. Yeah, we did, yes. Back in the day. <laughs> yes. Uh, played by Lisa Edelstein. She's most famous for playing Dr. Lisa Cuddy in House. Uh, she's, oh, yeah. Yes, she's also appeared in the film's Keeping the Faith and the short film Unzipping. Uh, very surprising, she because it said she won awards, but I thought she would have won like an Emmy or a Golden Globe for House because she was just because my my fiance watched House back to back a while ago and I watched a few episodes and I thought she was really good. Yeah, she's really good because she pushes against House. Like even though House is you know as a character is like a gifted doctor. Yeah, he's a total prick. Oh, definitely. You yeah. know, like he's he can be gifted but not be a prick. You can you can be both things, right? <laughs> but it's funny because like with Cuddy and House, it's kind of like George's relationship with um, Jody. You know, because mm. George, uh, George is so well. It's the other way around. I mean, because yeah. Cuddy, Cuddy's so you know repulsed by House that she ends up falling in love with him. Yeah, and they get together. So yeah. I guess it's that that similar kind of thing. No, no, I, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, there's, there are some parallels there. Yeah. But what um, I was saying was she actually – she's never won a Golden Globe or an Emmy, which I'm really surprised because okay. she was really good. Mm. Um, but she did win a Screen Actors Guild Award in 2009 for okay. the show for Best Ensemble Cast. Well, I mean, when House was around, it was like the mid-2000s, yeah. like the late 2000s. Yeah. You're talking in the era of like Sopranos, like – pretty stiff competition like oh, the, yeah. the start of the true golden age of television yeah even good, though cuddy is house is a good show and yeah. Cuddy's a good character on house yeah she is when you when you're up against like you know some of the best television ever yeah it's you know even if you're good you've got to be like great because house was was a network television show so yeah. it was kind of within the confines of like broadcasting rules yeah. and stuff yeah yep. it couldn't quite go all out like hbo didn't yep. quite have that freedom i think i yep. think you know just completely off the cuff thought if house was like more of a hbo production I think it could have worked, like because how so, sometimes yeah. it gets a bit ridiculous because he's just like there's this weird medical mystery and he just goes away and he's just a grumpy cunt and then he comes <laughs> back and he's like oh it's this really obscure disease and they're like cool thanks house episode over like it's just the conflict and the resolution there's no tension there it's yeah. just there's a disease he just is an asshole and then he magically comes up with a cure and they're like thanks house yeah, yeah. it's kind of like he's a dickhead to his patient dickhead to his patient dickhead to his patient diagnosed. Cured. Yeah. He's a hero. It's I think, like, come on. Like, everything seems to go his way. Yeah. Like, come but on, man. I think if a show like House got the HBO treatment, there would be a few more, like, he'd make a few more mistakes. I think he would. Like, yeah. he'd be a bit more human. Like, he'd yeah. still be a genius yeah, and he'd yeah. still be super gifted, yeah. but he wouldn't get it right all the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I so, think that would have really worked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, let's talk about... Um, Karen. Karen. Yes. I do recall from the mango that 
I, I think I said something along the lines of uh, Karen is a very sexual person. Yeah. Like, she even gets turned on by eating risotto. Mm. So, she's just, I think she's just really, yeah, like you mentioned, she's just really into George romantically, and uh, she doesn't see through his uh, very shallow personality. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe I mean, because some people get turned on by, uh, turned on by what would repulse other people. You know, like, George, I can imagine, uh, he would be repulsive to women sexually and just people on a personal level because he's a pretty pretty scummy person, right? Oh yeah. But some people get really turned on by like shit people. So mm. maybe maybe the fact that maybe she can she knows who George really is, but that actually does it for her. Like Cuddy to House. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe maybe, <laughs> Same character. maybe Yeah. Like I mean, th- that might be a bit of a stretch. Yeah, but yeah. you know, because sh- George's personality and sort of phoniness really repulses Jody. Yeah. She can see right through it. And I don't think Karen is naive enough to not see through it. Right. I think that that's why she's attracted to George. Ah, there you go. You know, yeah, but she's yeah. also very jealous because uh, George being obsessed with Jody liking her just turns her off completely. I think it's just a very touch and go thing of like, I'm only turned on, but only if you're into me sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Well, one thing actually, now you mentioned it, one thing that really interested me is... um. Uh, in that scene, just going back to Jody, when George says to Jody, "Oh, your sister seems really nice. I think we could be set up," mm. but he's already seen Karen. Yeah. So you think that maybe he's not into Karen as much as we think? Oh, uh, I don't think I don't think he's actually saying set me up with your sister. I think he's just trying to say anything. Oh, to, to, get, to, on get, to get her on a, a good yeah. book. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it's okay, just okay. trying to compliment her sister. Yeah. Right. right just right. to get in a good book. So like oh, if, that's if she, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If she mentioned like, oh, I've got a cousin. Yeah. You know, oh, set me up with your cousin. Like, because I was under the impression that maybe he wasn't as keen. But then you're right. He's just trying to get into Jody's good yeah. books. Yeah. yeah, if, yeah if, even if she mentioned like her father, he'd be like, oh, your father sounds like a great guy. Oh, like, right. Let's go out and have a beer. Or you know, like he would have been nice about whoever she mentioned just to impress her. I think makes sense. Yeah. How do you think they got back together? Because I. Yeah. I mentioned it in the episode. Did, do you reckon Karen talked to George or do you think George got back with her? Because, yeah, well, from what you were saying and, and after thinking about that, I think, yeah, George was still into Karen. I mean, there was nothing wrong with Karen. No. She didn't really do anything. No. Yeah, so. Yeah, I I don't know. I, and he I really ima- likes her. Yeah, I can imagine a situation where maybe they just ran into each other. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, incidentally, uh, I mean, it was a time before people being really easy to contact like i've got people i used to date five years ago i've still got their phone number in my phone yeah you know because you just don't you just forget to delete it of course so if i wanted to contact them again for some reason it would be very easy so given that this was the mid 90s i think the reconnection was accidental yeah in person yeah yep what happened to make um karen attracted to george again i don't know Hmm. do you think george chased karen again or karen chased george because karen seems like even more enthusiastic about George than in the mango. Like in the mango, she's really keen on him, but in this one, she's like, she just wants to ravage. Him. Yeah, she's enamored with him. Yeah, with him, almost yeah. like obsessed. Yeah, obsessed. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so maybe I don't know. Maybe Karen, maybe Karen like came out of a bad breakup or something, Probably, and then, and then yeah. ran into George. Yeah, maybe she was on the rebound a bit, and she just wanted like the validation. Yeah, she's on the rebound. Yeah, I'd probably say that. Maybe something yep. like that. Yeah, something like that. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and I then because she, she, you know, maybe she's a bit vulnerable. You know, maybe she was a bit insecure. And when George wasn't giving her what she wanted because he was so obsessed with Jody, yeah, she's like, "Hang on, like, it's either me or Jody." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and because she's in an extra vulnerable state anyway, that George being not into her sort of hurts more. Yeah, you know, because you want you want that 
reassurance from the person, but when you're not getting it at all, yeah. you're like, it's double hurtful. I love how she says, now I hate you. Yeah. And George is like, like oh, I can get you. I'm used to that. I'm used to that. <laughs> I'm used to that. <laughs> used to being hated. So mean. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> so mean. Do you have anything else about Karen in this episode? No, but it was actually, I, I forgot she was in another episode. I, I forgot she was in the masseuse. But yeah. I think it's good that they brought back a previous character. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't just do like a new one because mm. I think it worked. And it, it kind of showed that Karen was still keen on George. Yeah. After, you know, this was like, what, four episodes later? I yep. think the manga was, what, episode one of season five? I'm pretty yeah. sure this was like, yeah. So this was only a few episodes. Oh, yeah, about eight episodes later. Yeah. So th- it was good that they brought her back. Yeah. And yeah. I think it just, I mean, the show is, you know, both very realistic and both very unrealistic at the same time in so many ways. And I think the fact that, you know, every, like basically every episode, George or Jerry or both or Kramer or Elaine have a new love interest, right? Yep. They just go through them like like nothing. Mm. So the fact that there was a repeat girlfriend lends a tiny bit of realism because it's, yep. it's not uncommon for people to date someone and then stop dating them and then reconnect with them later on at a, you know, for whatever reason. So, I you know, I think it was, whether it was intentional or maybe they were just like, we can't think of someone, so we'll just introduce an old character again. Yeah. Maybe they were like, you know, let's make it a bit more realistic mm-hmm. and introduce an old girlfriend because that's kind of what happens in real life sometimes. Yeah. Either way, it worked. It worked, yeah. yeah. And one other interesting thing about Karen, she had the same hair as Elaine, the same hairstyle. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. yeah, Exactly the same. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about uh, the non-serial killer, Joel Rifkin. Yes. Played by Anthony Sestaro. He's appeared in six episodes of Cheers. He played the character Henry. Uh, he's also appeared as a guest in TV shows such as Alias, Friends, and Charmed. I wanted to believe that he was actually the real Joel Rifkin. Oh, really? But uh, but then again, like I did mention, um, the real Rifkin was actually waiting trial at the time that this episode yeah. aired. So, yeah, it couldn't have been him. Yeah, and he uh, seems too nice. Yeah, he seems too nice, too pleasant. But he was adopted and he keeps photos of people in his uh, Co- wallet. Coincidence. Yeah, co- complete coincidence, yeah. yeah. I wanted to believe it. I was like, yes, yes, but no, wouldn't have made sense. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been really odd. But no, yeah, he's, he's clearly a great guy. Um, and uh, I think even though he's – like, I kind of understand his plight because, you know, he's got the same name as a serial killer – I've got the same first name as one of the worst serial killers in Australian history, Ivan Ivan Malat. Ivan Malat. Yeah. I used to get called Ivan Malat all the time. Ivan Malat, Ivan Malat. Oh, don't go near him. He might, you know, kill you or something. You know, yeah. I used to get those jokes all the time. I think, and, and only half of my name matches with him. Yeah, I think, you know? you know, my name's Stephen, which is a fairly common name. And there's probably a whole bunch of horrible people named Stephen, right? Yeah. I can't think of any serial killers off the top of my head. But because Ivan is an uncommon name, especially in like a, a Western country. Yeah. I think if, if, if his name was Daniel Malat and your name was Daniel, people wouldn't be like, oh, Daniel Malat. Yeah, Daniel, but the fact that my, yeah. Yeah, my name is so rare. Yeah. yeah, I know. And the fact that it's Ivan Malat, I do understand that as well. Yeah. Like, it's just lucky my lame name wasn't Malat, mm. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I'd change it if it was yeah. Malat. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. I, I would definitely change it. I probably would too. Yeah. 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 So I kind of understand his plight in a way. Yeah. Yeah. About half as much, <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Um. I he tries to get on with his day to day life despite the coincidence. He just it's just one of those unfortunate coincidences. Well, he doesn't really realize until a football game. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he's heard of Joel Rivkin, you know, because everyone seems to know who he is because it's such big news in New York at the time. Mm. But he seems a bit oblivious. Yeah. Like he actually says to Elaine, he's like, "I didn't realize until the football game, you know, that this is an issue, um, and that it's an issue that's not going away." So I think. I don't know, maybe, I'm sure he made the connection in his head. He's like, oh, there's a serial killer named Joel Rifkin. I'm yep. Joel Rifkin. That's a strange coincidence. Mm. But maybe he just never came across a situation where it was an issue until the football game. Yeah, that's right. Um, and when everyone was looking at him funny. And, and I'd imagine because Kramer does eventually get into the game off mm. screen. What do you think happened? So do you think he rocked up to the gate and he goes, oh, I want my ticket. And then maybe the ticket guy freaked out. Um, 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I reckon the ticket guy, um, we'll talk about him a bit later, but just for the sake of answering a question, he seems like a bit creepy and a bit weird. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I reckon he would have actually been into the fact oh, that he's Joel Rifkin, you yeah. know, maybe because, you know, there's like that cliche of like creepy people being into serial killers, like having a bit of an obsession, mm, yeah. not being serial killers themselves, but just having like a, a strange sort of almost like fetishiz- fetishization of them. Yeah. I reckon he would have gotten a bit of a kick out of it. He's Probably. like, ooh, oh, you know. Oh, Joel Rifkin. Yeah, That's exactly. Cool. Uh, what else do you have about Joel? Um, I don't know. He seems just pretty normal. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, it's only d- the name. Yeah. I mean, he just seems. Probably one of the most like straight laced and normal and conventional men, or any any sort of love interest of any of the characters. Yeah, um, I liked him. Yeah, no, yeah. I liked him a lot too. I mean, he was he wasn't very he didn't have like a quirk or a, or a personality trait or a, or a hobby or anything that made him stand out. No, um, but yeah, I mean, I can understand why Elaine is into him. He seems you know pretty nice and he's a good looking guy. Yeah, handsome guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. As Elaine says, he's a gentleman. He's good looking and he's a good shaver. That's right. <laughs> I love the scene where he goes up to her from behind and looks like he's about to strangle her. Yeah. And what were you doing? I was giving you a massage. Yeah. He hasn't thrown up in eight years, so he's obviously doesn't have a weak stomach. No, definitely like like Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Uh, I I don't really like. Um, any of his names. I understand Elaine's objection to them. Like Stuart. Todd. Todd. <laughs> Todd and Alex. Alex. But he makes a good point because Elaine suggests Ellis. Yeah. And, and then like, he goes, Ellis, basically, Alex? Yeah. It's basically the well same thing. Alex. Yeah. And what was the one where he's like, um, is it not Renee Rivkin? Ned. Rennie? Ren- no, oh, no, Remy. Remy's Remy, 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 Elaine's suggestion. I, yeah, I love like, Remy see- Rivkin, I may as well wear a beret. A beret. <laughs> it reminded love- me of that like dodgy yeah. Australian investor. Do you remember Renee Rivkin? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Renee Rivkin. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Actually, you do a very similar name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I hadn't thought yeah. about that guy. For anyone outside of Australia, and probably a lot of people in Australia, he oh, was like a dodgy yeah. Sydney finance guy. And yeah, I think that's he, right. He got in trouble for like insider trading and... I think he just did a lot of dodgy shit through his life. Yeah. And he died maybe like 10 years ago. Um, outside of Australia, the name Renee Ribkin means nothing. No, no. And most people in Australia have probably forgotten who, who he is. was. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't have thought about it unless uh, this episode said, if it didn't say Remy Rivkin, yeah. I wouldn't have thought about it. But yeah. I don't know, very strange coincidence. Very strange indeed, yeah. I sure I didn't think about that either. Yeah. yeah. I love I love when the scene cuts to him saying Ned. Ned's the kind of guy that wears the wrong size or buys the wrong, wrong size, size underwear. underwear. <laughs> Next. Yeah, and it's like, Stuart Rivkin, ooh, little Stuart Rivkin goes and buys underwear with his mommy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a reference to Stuart Little, the mouse. Yeah, could That's be. That's what he was getting. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think yeah. Stuart is especially like an immature man baby name. I mean, Stuart's a pretty standard, I don't know. Like, I don't understand. If it's not a reference to Stuart Little, I don't understand why uh, Elaine uses that as, yeah. the, as the problem. Like, she, yeah. She makes a good point, though, because I've met a few Stuarts in my life, and all of them have been weird people, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I kind of I kind of get it. But if your name's Stuart, I'm sure you're a nice person. Let me know. Yeah. Let us know. Hmm. Please. Send I us an email. I, I can't. I don't think I know any Stuarts at the moment, but the ones that I remember... They all seem pretty normal people. Oh, okay. No. I mean, maybe they went shopping with their mummy, but you know, that's their business. <laughs> they were serial killers, yeah. secretly. Yeah, Stuart uh, Rivkin. Yes. Anyway, the final character for today. Uh, or actually, did you have anything else? Uh, no, that's really about it. It's like it's funny because he was sort of the the, the focus of the episode mm, yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, uh, but there's not a lot to work with. Like, he was in a lot of scenes and there was a lot to do with him. But yeah. I think it was more his name than him as a yeah. person. The humor came from his name. Yeah. Yeah. So usually when, you know, someone appears in the episode uh, so much and they're so crucial to the storyline, the B-plot, there's a lot to work with, but it's like, because he's so normal. Yeah. And other than, if he didn't have the name, if the the B storyline didn't revolve around him having the same name as a serial killer, 
we'd just be like, oh yeah, he's a normal dude and Elaine likes him and he has a job and he's nice. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, but so, that's that's where the humor is. Yeah, it's kind of like that episode where Jerry's dating Christine Taylor's character. Yeah, um, and there's nothing wrong with her, but you know she appears to be a loser. Yeah, and everyone thinks that she's a loser. Yeah, so I think it's, it's just like that. Yeah. yeah, that's where the humor is. That, yeah, that's that's why Seinfeld's so good with yeah. the uh, secondary characters. That's true. The uh, final character, Steve, uh, Ticket Man. That's who he's credited as. Uh, played by John Bishop. Uh, he's appeared in Footloose and Volcano. And I will add to what you mentioned about him before. He is indeed a creep. Uh, yeah, I think he's really into like macabre shit, like serial killers. Yeah. And I think he did. You're right. I think he did get a kick when he heard the name Joel Rifkin. I think yeah. he's kind of like, oh yeah. I don't he think he. It. I don't think he would have uh, suspected that he was a real Joel Rifkin, but he would have gotten some sort of thrill out of the fact that he had the same name. Yeah, and he probably would have talked to him about it, or you know, just been a bit of a bit of a creep about it for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, he had sort of like crazy hair. He seemed a bit lonely. And a yeah. bit sort of like isolated and strange. I can imagine him like collecting animals in jars. Yeah, yeah, you know, like probably. Maybe like picking up roadkill and taxiderming them or something like that. Collecting like, his toenails in jars. Yeah, as well. maybe something yeah. like that. Like I don't think he's a dangerous man. No, I just think he's a bit of a bit of a weirdo. He's a weirdo. Yeah, I think so. Other than that, I really had nothing about no. uh, about him. Did you? No, he's just there doing his job just to get a paycheck. And yeah, yeah, he's pretty strict with the rules. You know, if you don't have your license or an ID, you can't get the tickets. That's, that. Yep. Yeah, I think management probably talked to him. You know, some of the top down heavies probably said drilled it into him, saying, you know, give him ID. Maybe he's been famous for just giving. Maybe he just gave tickets to random uh, people who said they had no IDs. Maybe okay. it was too generous. Maybe the management were like, "Oh, you can't do that anymore." Okay, be more strict. Now he's like overcorrecting. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Oh, that's that's um that's feasible. Yeah. Anyway, that's all the secondary characters from the episode. We'll take a bit of a break, and after that, we'll find out where the masseuse fits in uh, our episodes and where whether any of the characters make our top twenty of all time. Yeah, that's that's nice. That's that's very nice. <sighs> no, no, this isn't good. I can't do this. Why? Why? What's wrong? I can't. No, yes, you can. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah, no, no, come on. I, I know it's something you want to do. Today on Bidwabas, we spoke about the masseuse from season five. Now, Stephen, out of how many episodes? Geez, let me just grab my list. I probably should have grabbed that, shouldn't I? Out of uh, 109 episodes that we've done, uh, where does the masseuse sit for you? Uh, it sits at number 77. 77, okay. So yeah. pretty solid. Yeah. Considering. Um, nothing uh, amazing in the episode. Yeah. But nothing weak either. I liked all the storylines. Uh, and I like you said before, all the secondary characters are really strong. Yeah, they are. Yeah, very. I yep. like how, I mean, none of them are like amazing or none of them are super memorable. Hmm. But uh, sometimes when uh, a episode has three sort of prominent secondary characters, it's not uncommon for at least one to be a bit more forgettable. Yeah. But they're all pretty memorable in their own right. Yeah, very, yeah. And they all just seemed really normal. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, They are, yeah. Like none yeah. of them had a quirk. None of them had like a weird hobby. No. Or a weird physical, uh, you know, um, aspect or anything like that. They're all just like normal people who all reacted very reasonably to the shittiness of Jerry, George... And, I mean, Elaine wasn't shitting this episode, but Joel's reaction was pretty, you know, understandable. He's like, hang on, like... Yeah, they yeah. seemed all out of place, didn't they? Yeah, they all just they seemed... They seemed too straight. Yeah, they so did. They all just seemed so sort of normal. Yeah, like, normal, They reacted yeah. like normal people. Yeah, yeah. You know, as you or I would if, if the core four were in our lives. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, which which actually kind of made it cool. Um, I really liked it. What about you? Uh, for me, uh, I, I basically had the same sentiments as you. Strong secondary characters. Yeah, weak in parts, strong in parts. But yeah, I can see why it's probably not one of the more memorable episodes. Uh, number 88. Okay. So yeah, I mean, on the lower part spectrum, but you know, we mentioned several times the shittest Seinfeld episodes still 
you know, very good. Yeah. Or still above average. So. Yeah, nothing yeah. in this episode is, like, classic. Like, there's no classic lines or characters or anything like that. No, there's but no real quirks. Still- there's nothing really in the zeitgeist of Seinfeld no. that really sticks out. But it's still yeah. solid. There's no, as far as I'm concerned, no real weakness. Yeah, so it's not episode. a bad episode, but it just it's not as good as others. For sure. That's all it is. Um, now, any uh, secondary characters make your top 20? No, what about you? Uh, no, but a special mention to Joel Rifkin. Okay. I really liked him. Yeah, yeah. he was cool. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, that's it for another week. Oh, but I don't want to be a secondary character. Thank you for listening. Uh, What are we doing next week? Next week, we are doing, it's actually a request from another podcast, The Campfire with Parkers and Daily. So Parkers, he's one of the co-hosts. It's a conversation podcast between two guys who talk uh, about stuff in front of a virtual fireplace. Uh, He requested on Instagram, uh, The Pez Dispenser. Okay, cool. So we're talking about that one. So yeah, thanks, Parkers. Yeah, thank uh, yeah. you for the request. We look forward to doing it. Yeah, he's a big Seinfeld fan. He talks about it on his podcast all the time. So, yeah, so we're looking forward to doing that one for you. Indeed. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can email us, bidwabasspodcast at gmail.com. You can check out all the social links that we have in our show notes. If you want to support us, you can donate via PayPal, or if you want to support us on a more consistent level uh, or basis, you can uh, check out our Patreon. Again, the link is in the show notes. Uh, as of last week, we uh, started doing weekly episodes of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And the podcast is is called Curb Cast, and it's an episode-by-episode review, and uh, we talk about every scene and uh, give our takes. That's right. Um, and on Patreon as well, if you sign up for $2 or more a month, you get access to our Bidwabask episodes a week early, and uh, you get access to uh, Curbcast. Uh, we did release the first episode last week on our normal feed, just as a bit of a teaser, I guess, or just to give you an idea of what it's like. Yeah. But if you want to hear any following episodes, just sign up a Patreon. And we have announced also Season 11 is coming, and again, that will be Patreon only. That is coming on the 27th of January and next year. So if you don't know about Season 11, uh, go back to Season 10 and uh, yeah you'll get an idea of what it's like we write an original episode of Seinfeld set 20 years after the events of the finale that's right we I think we learned a lot about I mean not neither of us are writers but we kind of learned a lot just going through that process I think this one will be even better even better indeed yes Uh, you can find me uh, I do another podcast in Melbourne last week it's an interview podcast where I speak to everyday people who do extraordinary things Uh, links to that show is in the show notes I have just started season three so be sure to find me there as well Indeed. Um, and if you want to join my Seinfeld group, it's sort of an unofficial community for Bidwabast. It's called Seinfeldisms. Uh, it's on Facebook. Just type in Seinfeldisms and uh, check it out and get amongst the fun. Yeah, indeed. My name's Ivan. And I'm Stephen. We'll see you next week for the Pest Dispenser. You take care now. Bye. Bye.